0: Welcome to Footsteps, the Fort Larned podcast. I'm your host, Ranger Ben, and in this season we are taking a look at Fort Larned's past, present, and future. Today is the finale where we're looking at uh, part two of Fort Larned's future. Uh, Co-hosting with me today is our volunteer, Emma. How's it going today?
1: It's going good.
0: Uh, Now as we kick this off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what got you involved with the fort, and what you've been doing since you've started volunteering here.
1: All right. Well, my name's Emma and I'm a senior at Learned High School. I've lived here for about 11 years now. It's actually my second time living here. And I remember coming out to the fort as a, a, like a little girl, like um, either with my parents or through the school. And I remember just, I loved being out here, kind of being away from like the town, social media. And I, it's kind of weird, but I love the smell of the bridge. Like it's just so nostalgic. Mm. And I, I just fell in love with it. So when I got into high school, in my sophomore year, I joined FCCLA, and then they had like this volunteer opportunity to come out to the fort for the candlelight tour, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. I haven't been out there in years, and I think it'd just be a great opportunity. And I, I'm a big fan of history. I love learning, so I came out here. It was it was a little rough because it was my first time, but I, I really loved it. And then so I came back my junior year, the following year to volunteer again for the candlelight tour. And then um, that same year, I was inducted into National Honor Society. And I was like, oh man, I really gotta get these 50 hours. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, well, what can I do? And I thought about it. And then I saw a post where um, you were looking for volunteers. It's like, okay, this is a great opportunity because I love history and I'm also gonna get my hours in. So it's a win-win situation. So I got in contact with you around December, January, and then I came out here pretty consistently for a while, doing a little bit of living history, kind of learning about the fort's background and its story, but also working on the social media posts. Summer of my junior year, I kind of dropped off the face of the (laughs) earth, (laughs) Um, just got so busy. And then this year has been very hectic and I, I miss coming out here.
0: As we uh, get into this episode, our interview today is with our friends group, the Fort Learned Old Guard's chair, Kristen uh, Keith. It was a really fun interview, learning about uh, the Old Guard, their plans for the future, uh, and also ways that they've helped us out. We've touched on it in previous episodes, but uh, hearing more about the village site uh, and their plans for the future, and hopefully giving it to the National Park Service, that was probably one of my favorite parts of the episode.
1: It was great to learn. I learned a lot of things. Yeah, because I, I never heard of it before. And then she started talking about it. And I was like, oh, like I really didn't know that. That's really cool.
0: And for it to be such an integral part of our nation's history too. And it's yeah. mm-hmm. right in our backyard. Yeah. <laughs> so, Well, we enjoyed uh, interviewing Kristen. And we also hope you enjoy taking a listen. So here we go. So welcome, Kristen. How's it going today?
2: I'm great. Thanks for having me.
0: Great to have you on. Uh, You are unique in that you are the first non-National Park Service employee to be a guest on this podcast.
2: Well, thanks for having me. And I guess I'm okay with being classified as unique.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So as you know, this season, we're looking at Fort Launin's past, present, and future. And today we're wrapping up Fort Launin's future. But as we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what drew you to get involved at the fort, and sort of a little bit about your story.
2: Sure. I'm Kristen Keith. I grew up here in Larned. Uh, I've been married for 32 years for a guy I met in fifth grade. We had our first official date at a junior high, because back then it was called junior high, you know, not middle school. A junior high dance, and the rest is history, I guess. That was 32 years. His name is Joel. He works for Innovative Livestock Services. We have three kids Joelle, who's a nurse practitioner, Um, her significant other, works for the sheriff's department. Joelle has a son, Ridge, who is not spoiled at all, of course, since he's the only (laughs) grandchild. And then my middle son is Brady. He is an English teacher and a head football coach at the high school here in Larned. His wife, Lindsay, works in the social media marketing business. Uh, my youngest, Colby, is a free spirit. He uh, works in Canada half the year as a hunting guide and then has his own uh, taxidermy business here in Kansas. And his wife, Deva, uh, is a librarian. Um, so that's my family. Um, like I said, I, I grew up here in Larned. When I was in high school, I was one of those kids that loved history um, but didn't really tell anybody about that When the history teacher would give extra credit, I would, of course, silently do all of the extra credit, not because I needed the points, but because I thought it was really fun. (laughs) But I didn't tell anybody. Um, But I also loved uh, literature and writing. Uh, So when I went to college, that's what I studied. I studied English literature. Went to Wichita State for two years and then transferred to Southwestern College, which is a private college in Winfield, um, which I really enjoyed that. After college, um, I taught for several years, first at Cowley County Community College, then um, moved back here to Larned, taught at Larned High School and Barton County for a few years. And then I decided to change careers, which was more in line with the history side of my interest. So I got into the antique business, started doing antique shows, which then that became the estate sale business, which I'm currently doing now. When I did switch careers, I started going to lots of auctions, of course, to pick up items to sell at antique shows. And I met a guy named George Elmore at the auction. And we would visit, and after a while, he picked up on my interest in history and said, hey, you should come volunteer at the fort. Well, at that time, our our boys were very heavily involved in sports, um, and so we traveled a lot, and all our weekends were spent, you know, at the— Baseball field or basketball court or football field. So it just didn't work out then. But um, once everybody was out of the house, I came out, filled out the paperwork. My first experience as a volunteer was over a Memorial Day weekend. Um, there was a ranger here at that time, Ellen Jones. She said, I, I think you should try some living history as an officer's wife on Officer's Row. And I thought, well, sure, you know, I'll, I'll do anything. So she dressed me out and put me in a building and said, and it's best if you can do this first person. And I thought, oh, you know, I'd never had any experience. I was never in drama or anything like that in high school or college. So I said, okay, I'll give it a shot. And she briefly told me a story um, about the home that I was in, which happened to belong to Captain Nicholas Nolan, and just kind of threw me in the deep end, and I absolutely fell in love with it the solitude and the landscape out here, the people, not only the staff, but the other volunteers. And then, of course, the visitors, um, which is absolutely amazing. You meet people not only from all over the state, but all over the country and even the world. So it's such a neat experience. And then I, of course, fell in love with all the clothes. Um, But most importantly, I fell in love with Nicholas Nolan's story and his wife's story out here. It's an amazing story. So that's how I, I got involved. And then it's just grown from there.
0: So, how long ago was that? That you started?
2: Oh, seven, eight years ago, maybe.
0: Uh, so, that obviously uh, evolved into getting involved with the old guard. And the reason that we chose you to speak on today's podcast or to be a guest on today's podcast is because you're the current chair of the Old Guard. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the Fort Leonard Old Guard and about your involvement in, I guess, your evolution of your involvement over the years?
2: Yeah, it was a very quick evolution. Um, several years ago, they were looking for another board member, and George talked to me about it, and I agreed. I had never really heard anything about the Old Guard, um, so I thought, wow, this is a... Really great organization, and it's just another step um, in how I can help out here. So I joined the board, and then somehow, very quickly, I ended up as chair. <laughs> I don't know how that <laughs> happened or what they were thinking, uh, but I, I really, I really enjoy the organization. It's a great organization.
1: So I guess I've never, I never really heard of it until a couple of years ago, so I don't really know exactly what it does. Could you elaborate on that? Of course. Of course.
2: So most uh, national parks have what's called a Friends Group, and the Fort Larned Old Guard is the Friends Group here for Fort Larned. We are a 501c3, which is a nonprofit organization, and Friends Groups kind of help with what things that are out of the scope of what the park can do for itself. So our mission is to help preserve, restore, and interpret um, the cultural and historical resources out here, so we just kind of help fill in the gaps. We've bought artifacts. We help with some programs and things like that. So the artifacts that we have purchased, um, we purchased a, a sword that belonged to Frank Baldwin. And we purchased the third infantry rifle, a Colt revolver that belonged to Nicholas Nolan. That was about a year and a half ago. And when we came across that, you know, I, I got super excited because I'm so into his story. And it was like... I'd come across, well, I didn't come across it, but George, I think, had found it through a mutual friend. But it felt like, you know, my family heirloom was coming back home <laughs> here to Fort Larned when we got that. We've also purchased a wrecker ambulance and had that restored. Um, and then there were a couple of Native American litho prints that we had commissioned to sell. Um, so those are the main things that we've done out here.
0: When Nolan's revolver came up and that sort of came across, that was... I remember talking to George about that, and I was like, "This is this is cool that I mean, it's it's out there that we have this this piece of Nolan's history that's there." And uh, the next correspondence I got from George was the old guards getting it for us. That was awesome.
2: Absolutely, it was super exciting.
0: Now all of those things you listed: so the rifle, the revolver, the sword, and the ambulance. People can see when they come here. Yes, yes. So we've got. Uh, Actually, Frank Baldwin's sword and Nolan's revolver in the same case in our museum. And then uh, the 3rd Infantry Rifle, just a few steps away from that. Uh, And then the ambulance sort of uh, hangs out in our shop's building at the moment.
2: Yeah. And so we're always looking for things with provenance um, or a story that's somehow connected to Fort Larned, whether it be an object that was here, something that belonged to a soldier that was here. So we're always looking for things. So if any of the listeners ever come across anything, <laughs> let us know.
1: Well, how do, you, how do you come across these things? Is there like a, like a marketplace for it or just through people? Through people,
2: word of mouth. I mean, I'm always looking on eBay, you know, to see if <laughs> right. I would just happen to see something. But word of mouth with reenactors, just people who are excited about history and um, the story out here.
0: So uh, it's not just artifacts and things like that that the old guard provides you also help support us for events and things like that can you explain a little bit about the old guards involvement with not only mess and muster our sort of uh cooperative event but uh, how you support other events as well
2: sure so our i think everyone's favorite event that we're involved in out here is mess and muster um, which is a yearly uh, membership meeting with programs uh, centered around a certain theme, and it's always the last. Most of the time, it's the last Saturday of April, so the day starts off with a board meeting. Of course, we have to get you know business out of the way. Um, But then the rest of the day is filled with programs and demonstrations. And then in the evening, there's a meal, a general meeting, um, and then we have a main speaker that comes in or a program. This year, our mess and muster will center around um, the Cheyenne Lakota village site. Um, So I think it's going to be a a great, a great day focusing on a subject we haven't talked about in a while.
0: I'm definitely looking forward to that and... Uh, We've talked about the village site on both the episode with George and with uh, our superintendent, Kevin Eads. So for those listening, if you haven't checked those out, definitely check those uh, episodes out as well. Can you talk a little bit about the village site and the Old Guard's involvement in in that and hopefully getting it to National Historic Landmark status?
2: Sure. So the short story, it's a long story, but the short story is... There were some Plains Indians, Cheyenne Lakota, that were camped at a site about 30 miles from Fort Larned. And a group of businessmen and newspaper men who thought they might profit from Indian wars started a rumor um, that there was going to be an uprising. So among others, um, General Hancock was sent out here with 1,400 men to talk with them and to ensure that nothing like that happened Well, the Plains Indians that were out here um, and living at that site, many of them were survivors of Sand Creek, so they weren't very trusting, of course, of the military. Some did meet with Hancock, um, but there was a lot of delay tactics being used um, in order for the inhabitants of that village to escape, Um, which is what happened, which of course angered Hancock, and he ordered that the village be burned. So he burned the village, which just created all kinds of... Of chaos and basically caused a war that never would have occurred um, had he not burned that village and misunderstood um, what was going on. We feel that it's one of the most important Native American sites in Kansas, if not the most important um, site because of um, what happened afterwards. It was just, you know, the mistrust of Native Americans, even more of the military, which just, you know, To more wars with Indians. So, George Elmore actually pinpointed the site and discovered where it was after a lot of research, and that was in 1976. Since then, um, the old guard has um, taken ownership of it and um, we've been caring for it. Um, We've put in a parking lot and um, signage and that kind of thing in hopes of someday that it will transfer to the National Park Service. And that's where we are now. We've just started the process and it's a long, long drawn out process, but you have to have permission from the National Park Service to nominate it as a landmark. Um, And we've sent that letter. Um, So that's where we are. And we're just in the very beginning of it. And that letter was sent in March of 23. And we haven't heard back yet. But we're hopeful that we will hear back soon so that process can continue. And then Kevin Eads has been very helpful with us, and also Leo Oliva, of course, with that process. So
1: we're excited about what the future holds out there.
0: Yeah, I definitely am too. It's exciting.
1: Do you know of any other village sites around Kansas that are trying to do the same thing, make it into an actual park site?
2: There are other landmarks, um, Mm -hmm. historic landmarks, yes. But again, we feel like we have the best one. Uh, We have the one that has the most relevant history to what happened after 1867.
0: Yeah, and that was one thing that George mentioned, too, is Hancock's War, his campaign there in the spring of 1867, really set the tone for the rest of the Indian Wars the rest of the U.S. government's handling of the Plains and the Plains states and the Plains Indians who were here already, and it uh, formulated in Custer's mind how the Plains Indians should be handled as well, which may have worked against him. In the right? End. Didn't?
2: Yeah, <laughs> he didn't fare well in the end. But yes, he was here during that time also.
0: So uh, one thing that I'm sort of curious about—we've uh, been talking about sort of your personal background, what's gotten you interested in in the fort and all that, and a little bit about your role in the old guard. But for someone who hasn't had experience being a chair of a nonprofit, how would you explain what you do specifically in the old guard?
2: What we're working on right now um, and Celeste Dixon, Ranger Dixon, is helping me with this as we're creating a website. We've had a website in the past. We're just updating it um, so that it's mobile friendly, kind of bringing us up to date and into the future. Um, so we're currently working on that. Um, we we hold two uh, board meetings a year. I'm always looking for projects, you know, that we might help the fort with, looking for objects, looking for programs, um, in discussion with you and Kevin and George and other staff members out here. I've spoken to uh, civic groups in town about the Ford, of course, and our organization. I've done some programs at the library, just trying to get the word out that there is a friends group out here, that there's always new things going on at the fort, changes, especially when the new museum came in. That if someone hasn't been out, you know, in three months or six months or six years, it doesn't matter. There's always something new um, and changing out here. Um, just trying to keep people interested in the story out here so that they can share it with others. And um, the visitation increases. We also have a social media page um, that I, I help coordinate things on there. So those are the main things.
0: In your time of being chair of the Old Guard, is there anything that you've learned or... Has it been enjoyable experience?
2: Oh my goodness! I learn something every day. I would say, you know, I haven't been around very long as a volunteer, um, so my knowledge is limited, but it's growing. I that's how I like to say. I love that there's resources like George Elmore and Leo Oliva, just a wealth of knowledge. You know, anytime I have a question, those are my go to people. I learn something all of the time.
0: I mentioned that on the episode with Kevin. I've been here just about every day for the last four years, four and a half now, but I'm always learning something every day. There's, there's so much to learn
2: here. Sure. I really enjoy like the organizing side of it and the planning side of events. So that's kind of what I feel like my gifts are. The bonus is just learning the, the history and the stories. That's just a definite bonus to it.
1: What does the Fort Leonard Old Guard hope to teach the younger generation, or what would you like to do in the future? So another
2: one of our projects is in conjunction with the Fort. We secure a grant through Open Outdoors for Kids, Um, and Celeste Dixon helps us write that grant, um, which provides transportation or bus money for different schools to come here. It is a great program. As you know, schools are on limited budgets. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of them wouldn't be able to take field trips um, because of the cost of fuel. So we provide that money in order for schools to come out here. I think on average, Ben can help me with this, maybe 20 to 25 schools come a year. Does that sound?
0: That sounds about right. Yeah.
2: Right. So... Our grant money is anywhere from $5,000 to $10,000 a year. It actually decreased this year to 5000 which is actually a good thing. That means that more organizations are applying for that money. So there's more kids who are able to attend um, a variety of parks. So it's a great thing. It's a great program. Um, it's through the National Park Foundation. The best part of it for me is that I get help with the school tours out here. Um, it's one of my very favorite things to do. Kids ask the best questions. Uh, they keep you on your toes. Um, they always ask. There's always different questions um, that get asked. And then, of course, some of them ask the same questions every single time. But the schools that come here, they've most of them have prepared their kids with a backstory um, or whatever they're studying. In social studies are history, so they know a little bit about it. It's just fun, though, to expose them, to, to see. The fort is so well-preserved. It's just an experience that they wouldn't be able to have, of course, through a textbook or video. But to see the fort and walk through the buildings and see the objects and hear the story, it's an amazing experience for them, and I'm glad that the Old Guard can help support that.
1: Personally, when I was younger and in elementary school, middle school, and we would come out here. And I think that's what really made me fall in love with this place at such an early age was being out here with all my classmates and learning and walking through all the buildings.
2: Yes. And uh, when, I, when I start tours with them, um, I always start by explaining what living history is. And that's what I do sometimes. And I always uh, make sure that they know that there's special events that go on out here. So, hey, if you like this place, you know, tell your parents about it and have them bring you back for an event and if you're interested you know you can become a volunteer and they get so excited you know about the prospect of that because that's also one of the old guards goals is to get more young people involved because you know our our membership is aging of course like any organization and we've got to bring in not only younger uh, members with our organization but younger volunteers out here because you know Volunteers out here are aging also, and so it's, it's great. Ben's been a tremendous asset in bringing new and younger volunteers out, so it's good that we can all work together towards that same goal.
0: If you were able <laughs> to snap your fingers and, and make the involvement, mainly volunteers, in the Old Guard and the Fort, what would that look like?
2: I would just love to see the number of volunteers um, that are available to come out here double. It's such an amazing experience for people when they come out on a special event, um, like Memorial Day, when you can feel like you have stepped back in time and see what life was really like. Um, When the, the buildings are staffed with women over on Officer's Row and men in the barracks and men out on the parade ground, you go into the hospital and there's a steward and a surgeon and maybe a matron and... You know, then you go over to the shops building and there's a a baker, you know, making bread and somebody in the wood shop and Pete Bethke or, you know, a volunteer um, working in the blacksmith shop. The fort really comes to life. And I mean, that's the whole idea for people when they come out on special events is to experience that and feel like you've stepped back in time and can feel and smell and see um, what life was like back then. So, you know, if we can help encourage people to become volunteers by just making sure people are comfortable, you know, you don't have to have a vast knowledge of the story here. There are so many different people who can tell you whatever it is you want to know or need to know, um, and you can just learn a little bit at a time. So you don't have to have experience. Um, You don't have to have... The clothes, there's a closet full of clothes out here, especially for women um, and soldiers. Um, So that's provided. And if you don't, you know, living history isn't your thing. There's lots of other volunteer opportunities with maintenance and working in the museum um, and the visitor center. There's something for everyone to get involved. You know, and if you want to start out with living history, but you're nervous, my advice would be to help with Candlelight, um, the Candlelight Tour, which happens, I think it's the second Saturday in October every year, Mm -hmm. because it's dark and no one knows who you are. (laughs) (laughs) They just hear voices, you know, and if you don't want to speak, you don't have to, you get to experience it. My husband, who I've convinced to volunteer out here, his first experience was with Candlelight. And maybe I shouldn't tell this story, but I'm going to go ahead and tell this story. (laughs) But he was very adamant that he not have a speaking part. And George said, oh, that's fine. You know, we'll just put you over in the barracks and you can play cards or checkers, you know, as they would have done in the evening. And about 30 minutes before start time, um, one of the main characters over in the hospital, we found out he was unable to come. And I didn't know all this because I was in a different scene than Joel and I was preparing um, my scene. But George says, hey, we need someone to play this part of an, an injured teamster with a broken leg. And he walked into the barracks and it was Joel and I think some Boy Scouts volunteering, and maybe some high school kids. Their heads dropped down, of course. So Joel's like, okay. <laughs> um, so he went over there and stepped way out of his comfort zone and really played the part well, I hear, which I didn't know any of this was going on. And then afterwards, I kept hearing, oh my gosh, that guy was so funny with the broken leg. And then I figured out it was Joel, and I I absolutely could not believe it. But so the point of the story is you don't know what you're capable of or what you might end up really enjoy doing until you you know you uh, give it a shot. But that doesn't happen very often, you know. If you want to sit and play cards in the barracks for candlelight, you know that's always an option. But the, it that's a great place to start is that event.
0: It is, yeah. And I remember the first time I met Joel at my first candlelight tour in 2019 he was a cook over in the barracks. The real life soldier that I was playing was not a model soldier at all, refusing orders and creating a ruckus and things like that. And I felt bad half the time yelling at him. And uh, (laughs) I think at the beginning of it, I just sort of went up to him and like, just so you know, this is, this is who I'm playing. I'm not like this, I swear. (laughs) Right. So, but yeah, no, it's, it's always fun at candlelight and it's, it's fun to make the fort come to life in that unique way. And that is really a unique event for us.
2: And I I also want to emphasize that the people that you get to meet at those events have so many fun stories and are so interesting. You know, we all have a common interest in history of course, but people, you know, have all different backgrounds and from come in from different States and areas in the country. And, it's, I've met the most amazing people um, doing this. So that's just another bonus to being out here is getting to know people who've become like family, you know, who are, you know, a little nerdy like me um, <laughs> and enjoy that. You know, we all have a safe zone out here where we can um, be ourselves, and it's, it's really fun.
1: To volunteer out here, I know you came out here with no experience. Do you think that was easier, or do you think it would be easier if people came in with experience?
2: I don't think it matters, because I think there's a place for everyone. You know, Ben is very good at helping the men that come out here or, you know, the high school volunteers find a place where they fit, Um, and I think that's true of any women that want to volunteer, you know... you. If you're not comfortable being an officer's wife, you can be a laundress. I mean, there's a new volunteer, uh, Liz, that she's just found her place and she's over in the schoolhouse. So I think that you just, whatever you're interested in, you'll find your niche here with what you're comfortable doing.
0: Yeah. And that's what, uh, whenever I have any ladies that might be interested in getting started or anything like that, no matter what role they're sort of aiming towards, uh, I always try to find someone and usually it's you, that they can sort of hang around and and get an idea of what uh, talking to the visitors looks like and uh, some of the stories and how to answer some of the questions. Because on Officer's Row, you really are some of the first people that our visitors see, even before they get to the visitor center. And so they still have some of those basic questions that they want answered before they get to the visitor center and before they get to see the rest of the the programs and things like that that we might have going on.
2: Right. There's so many mentors that are available to help you and bounce ideas off of, ask questions. Um, there's all kinds of people.
0: Now, we've talked a little bit about the Old Guard's vision for attaining new artifacts and uh, the goal with the village site. Is there anything else in the future that you and the Old Guard have your site set on?
2: I'll just speak for myself. My uh, dream project would be be to rebuild the cavalry stables, which is a very lofty goal, I know. (laughs) Um, And I'm sorry, um, Chappie, if you're going to be hearing that, (laughs) because I I know you made a comment about that in your episode. But I've also visited a little bit with Celeste about the project that you two are currently working on, with the visual of the laundress quarters and the stables. And I think that's definitely something that the old guard could help with. Um, when that project gets going. So I'm excited about that, you know, what we could do um, to help make that happen.
0: Yeah, we might not have the physical launderous quarters uh, in the window to the past, or we might not have the physical cavalry stables in the augmented reality, but at least we'll have it represented almost in real time. Uh,
2: Right, so people can at least get a sense Mm -hmm. of what it looked like.
0: And if you want to see a physical structure of what our stables look like at uh, Fort Scott, their dragoon stables there have the exact blueprint as the cavalry stables would have had sure. here. We just need to copy and paste. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I guess a good question for anyone wanting to become a volunteer is like, who do they need to talk to and what would their roles be at the fort? So you'll need to come out to the fort and get a
2: volunteer packet, just some paperwork to fill out that shows you're interested. Um, And then visit with George or Celeste or Ben. um, Any of those people can get you started and help um, you figure out what it is maybe that you want to do. I also want to mention that Ben is trying to put a band together. So for any musicians listening, um, that's also another opportunity that would be really fun and it'll be a great addition to what's going on out here. So I think that's um, the place to start is just come out, look around, talk to people, um, and then fill out that paperwork.
0: And don't be scared. It's literally two pages of paperwork. (laughs) (laughs) We don't give you like a two inch stack of paperwork. No. No, correct. So I guess as we wrap up, one question we've been asking each of our guests is how can our listeners, whether they're local or whether they're not, how can listeners help with your role? Here at the fort in your role in the old guard?
2: The main thing is, is just come out and visit the park often. If you're unable to do that, follow the social media pages. Ben does a great job with the forts page. Um, follow the old guard page. We would love to have people become a member of the old guard. Financial support is, is huge because that's what allows us to do Um, the projects that we're involved in, and find those artifacts to bring out here. And there's a range of membership fees, anywhere from $35 on up. There are lifetime memberships available. Another um, thing that I would really like to see for the old guard is to find someone who has um, experience and knowledge or even willing to learn how to do grant writing. I think that would be huge for our organization and would open up a lot of doors and opportunities for what we would be able to do out here at Fort Larned. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors when you visit the fort or if you see something going on, um, encourage others to come out here. Let your local schools know that there are funds available for them to bring their students out here to experience it firsthand and we can help arrange that. That's what I would say. Just spread the word that Port Learned is here and it has an amazing story that we want to continue to share.
0: Well, with that, thank you very much for coming on and telling a little bit about yourself, the old guard, and the plans for the future.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it. Have a good one. You too.
0: All right. Well, thank you for taking a listen uh, and thank you for listening to this finale of our season. We do have a bonus episode coming up the first Saturday of March. So if you're listening to this before then, make sure you uh, take a listen to that one in the future. Thank you again for taking a listen. Uh, if you don't already follow us on social media, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also check out our website. We have some great resources for you there.
1: You should also support the Four Learned Old Guards website and Facebook page.
0: Yeah, they have some wonderful content on there. Not just stuff that we post uh, on our own social media, but they got some unique stuff going on too. you want to make sure you keep up on uh, make sure you leave us a rating and review. If you enjoy taking a listen, be sure to share it with your friends and family.
1: And we will see you next time on Footsteps, the Fort Learned podcast.